Friend, please help Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry by supporting the cost to produce Spirit-Filled Radio and Podcast for this current fiscal year. You can become a partner with Spirit-Filled Hearts by donating monthly. Your contributions make a difference in the lives of all those who listen to our radio shows and podcasts. Thank you for your support. Go to spiritfilledhearts.org and click on the Donate button. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. Coming up on today's podcast. She had a dream of the, she saw little demons that were around her house. And she noted that when she moved, walked forward, the demons moved back. And it clicked to her that, you know what? They're afraid of me. Welcome on in to another episode of the Spirit-Filled Media Podcast with Deacon Steve Greco of Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry. So glad to reconnect with you for part three of our four-part series with author, speaker, and prayer intercessor Kathleen Beckman. She just recently finished writing a book that is a must-have, A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare. And I'll tell you, some of her stories will make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Now, if you miss parts one or two or both, you'll find them right here on the Spirit-Filled Media podcast page. All right, let's get started. Here's Deacon Steve. There is a new book, A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare by Kathleen Beckman. She is a Catholic evangelist, best-selling author, writer, speaker, radio show host, Ignatian retreat director. She's a co-founder of the President Foundation of Prayer for Priests. You're a busy lady. You do so much, <laughs> TV, radio, and so forth. And I love her books, but this book is a must-have book. A Family Guide to Spiritual Warfare. Tell us real briefly, why did you feel this was so important to write? And and I know it took you a while to write it. I felt compelled to write this, Deacon, because um, I kept hearing as part of the last 15 years in assisting priests in the Ministry of Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism, I kept hearing the histories of the people who were seeking from the church, the Ministry of Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism, and their history always seemed to go back to what they may have experienced in the family. Not always, but frequently. Some wound that occurred, some deprivation, some evil, some trauma, some abuse, something that happened when they were young. And so we would see um, the brokenness of family relationships, the estrangement of husband and wife, the estrangement of children from parents. And I began to see how this is, in fact, as I did my research, the way that the devil is attacking the family. And as the more I research it, the more I realize the church had a great concern for the way of the family, so much so that they uh, created, they had a synod of bishops in Rome to deal with what is going on in the family. And so therefore you have a, a real focus in this book on what is happening in our families. You know, my brothers and sisters, I don't think I need to tell you that the family is a focal point of attack from the enemy, from the devil from demonic influences, marriages, children, things like pornography, immorality. So tell us about that because of the world, our own flesh and demonic forces against us and and why it's just so important to have knowledge and to have the ability to protect our family. Well, I think that, um, well, it's so necessary for our salvation. It's so necessary that the Lord came 
uh, that we might have life and have it in abundance. The Lord wills for the family to be the environment of great love, an environment of healing for one another, uh, where a person is formed in the the way of love and the way of mercy, and they are trained in the way of discipleship of the Lord. And sometimes, you know, we all fall short of that. So the number one thing that we are, when we, the church teaches that the enemies that we have are three, and that is from the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we talked a little bit in the last episode about how the world, a spirit of relativism, and all that is happening in culture does come against us and our families. Um, and then we have the flesh. So let's just say that's the sin area. I know what does scripture say? A good man falls, what, seven or 70 times a day? And so we all relate to that. But there is um, the avenue of sin is really very much the avenue that the enemy will come. To me, I say in the book that like when we have a lifestyle of sin, that it's almost like honey to the bees and the evil spirits are attracted to that. It's like you're like you're burning this kind of incense, this aroma that attracts evil spirits because you're in this sin lifestyle. And so God made a remedy for that. He knows that we sin. He knows that we fall. And therefore, he's given us the church and her sacraments, right? And so we have a provision for our sin, and that is the sacrament of confession and and really the grace of all the sacraments. But that's it, it, a real grace. Um, the exorcists frequently teach that one sacramental confession is more powerful than 100 major rites of exorcism. So, you know, you think, Deacon, of how people will say, oh, I've got some demonic thing coming against me or my family. Well... The first thing that we want to point them to is to go to confession, because frequently that thing was maybe that spirit maybe was coming in through some sin area, some sin wound. And so, you know, we need to be very intentional about a let's talk about some practical things. Saying I'm Ignatian trained. So saying Ignatian teaches us Ignatius teaches us about what the examination of conscience nightly. How did I do today? You know, catching our sins like right in the beginning and going to confess them, working on them, you know, taking those vices that we have in the flesh and what? What do we do? We cultivate virtue. So in the book, I talk about how we want to turn all these vices that we may have into virtue. And that takes intention. It takes daily commitment to vocal prayer. It takes sacramental life and uh, especially confession and the Eucharist that builds us up. So that is one area that we want to really be careful of the sin area. My brothers and sisters, we're talking about a family guide to spiritual warfare, and it is fantastic. <laughs> it is incredible. You have to have it. It is a must have. And I say this because we are in a world under siege right now. You feel it. You know it. Our families are under siege and we have to have tools education, knowledge, and the ability to defend ourselves, but also to attack back. You know, for example, I don't know if you know, I was on the board for many years for the Ignatian group here in Orange County mm, and, and, and actually went to Loyola, Loyola Marymount now. And wow. so, yeah, so my background very much is what you have. And you talk in the book here about 
the looking at the heart of uh, St. Ignatius spiritual exercises, be aware of what's stirring in you, understanding these stirrings, taking action. Every night, uh, Ignatius talks about the exam, you know, to exam your conscience. And I love what you, you have to say here on page 43 about sin. The fallen man is self-centered. We orbit ourselves instead of God. In this state, we enter enemy territory. There are certain portals, my brothers and sisters, that are talked about in this book that is so important for us to understand. We invite the enemy in when we have unconfessed sin. I'll say that again. We invite the enemy in when we have unconfessed sin. To go to frequent reconciliation is one of the most important things we can do to defend ourselves. And then to, as you have in here, fight like a knight. We need to be aware of the fact that we need tools and we need the sacraments. We need the Eucharist to be able to win this battle. And the battle is won, but we have to take advantage of what we have. Absolutely. And we have a lot, you know, I mean, the more we learn about spiritual combat, uh, the more we realize that the Lord has provided through Holy Mother Church, a whole arsenal of very effective weapons. And that's what I really stress in the book is to use your weapons and with holy daring, you know, have a holy daring, know who you are by virtue of your baptism, know that you and your family have made a commitment to strive for virtue, not vice, and then fight against sin, fight against the evil spirits coming against you and the spirit of the world. Those are very real fights and real battles that we need to be very mindful of aware, and in that awareness, do something about it and not just put off. You know, frequently we put off, well, tomorrow I'll work on my conversion. But really throughout the book, I'm really encouraging people to have uh, a conversion of heart uh, to heal the heart of the family, whatever that wound is. There's some good experiences that I share in the book from people who were wounded and starting with my own wounds that from the murder of uh, a loved one in my family. And so, you know, when I think of family dynamics, Deacon, I have to really bring up the idea of unforgiveness. You know, the resentment that a husband and a wife can have because there isn't this ongoing you know, forgiveness um, for even there's a a quote in the book from C.S. Lewis, uh, Screwtape Letters, and he talks about how the demons are taught to even make us have an aversion to our spouse's look, that look in their eye or that twitch of their face or the way they make that so that they come to divide us. So that division is there. And so, you know, and it's like that, I think, with our children, you know, how many parents really feel that their children are having a different attitude toward them that's unloving. And, you know, that division comes in. And so forgiveness is very key in families. I think that needs to be stressed. I can't agree with you more. In fact, I wrote a book, Miracles Through Forgiveness, and often talk and do seminars on forgiveness because lack of forgiveness is like drinking poison, thinking it's going to harm someone else. Mm -hmm. When we have unforgiveness, we open again the door of hardness and bitterness 
And there's a spirit of bitterness. There's this spirit of animosity, this spirit that can come into our families. And we have to be aware that we have to be in a state of grace. In fact, you've got this triad for victory in spiritual warfare. And, and, and what is that? This is the foundational strategies that are taught by the exorcist priests. And that is the first one is to is scripture. We talk back to the evil spirits in the way that Jesus spoke back to them. And that's when, and his example in the temptation in the desert is what Jesus quoted scripture. And so one of the uh, professors said, God never intended that Christians would all day long endure the bombardment of all these fiery darts of the devil, the lies, the distractions and all the ways they come against us and just endure it. He's, intended for us to fight back in the way that God taught us, that Jesus Christ taught us to fight back. And that was through scripture. Get thee behind me. Satan is quoting the Lord in scripture, you know, and so that we would have at the ready some scriptures that we can respond not directly to the evil spirit, but that we are turning our heart and our mind and with Christ saying the words, get behind me, Satan. So there's a whole section in the book about quoting the scriptures um, and how to do it effectively for yourself and for your spouse or loved ones. And then there is the spiritual authority. And there's a lot about authority in the book. And the reason that it's there is because I have seen how very, very legalistic evil spirits are. And the evil spirits know, I mean, they're very legalistic and they know whether you have authority or not. Let's think of the scripture, the uh, Jewish exorcist and the sons of Siva. You know, when the evil spirit, the, the exorcists are trying to cast out demons. And what does the demon say? Jesus Christ, I know. Paul, I know. But you, I don't know. Okay. So we don't just say Jesus's name. We're talking about a relationship. Paul had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They know the Jesus in you. The demons can perceive the Jesus in you. They know that you've been signed by your baptism. They know that you belong. You've been consecrated to Christ. And this is this consecration at baptism is so real that during an exorcism, what the priest is actually doing is he's saying to the evil spirit, no, you can't have him because I have him because, see, he is marked by the sign of the cross. Amen. That's what is happening. Amen. So how powerful is that? Our baptism. I just want to get this book out so that people are aware of the tools that we have through the church, that the Blessed Mother is there, you know, to help us, but the tools through the sacraments, through scripture, through all of these different things, and to understand what happens when we sin and how it's critical to be in the state of grace. So we're talking about this foundational tripod for victory. And we need to be in a state of grace. Absolutely. Some of the exorcists teach that when we're not in the state of grace, our prayers are much less efficacious. That in the state of grace, our prayers are extremely efficacious. So that should really help us to be uh, careful about staying in the state of grace. Now, we don't want to be ambiguous about what is the state of grace. So let's just look at the catechism. So what does the church say? What does it mean to be in the state of grace? What is this other tripod um, that really connects into the scripture and the authority that we have by our baptism, which we spoke about? But now the state of grace. Well, the catechism teaches us that the grace of Christ is the gratuitous gift 
It's just a gift that God makes to us of his own life. It's infused by the Holy Spirit into our soul to heal it, to heal it of sin and to sanctify it. So it's healing to be in the state of grace because it's the Christ's life in us infused into our soul. It is the sanctifying or deifying grace received in baptism. It is in us the source of the work of sanctification. So God is sanctifying us by this grace. Sanctifying grace is an habitual gift, a stable and supernatural disposition that perfects the soul itself to enable it to what? Live with God, live and move with God and to act in his love. Now, habitual grace, you know, Deacon, the two graces, the sanctifying and the habitual grace is the permanent disposition to live and act in keeping with God's call. It is distinguished from actual grace, which refers to God's interventions, like when he intervenes during a healing, whether at the beginning of conversion or in the course of the work of salvation. So we have these graces that God gives to us that are very active. And the only thing that can take us out of the state of grace is sin. And it's so important that we understand that when we sin, not if, but when we sin, to go to the sacrament of reconciliation on a frequently to be able to have that cleansing. Because here's the thing, my brothers and sisters, normal Christianity is to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the show is called Empowered by the Spirit. Right. That's why right. the show isn't called Empowered by the Spirit. In fact, in, in 1 Corinthians 4.20, one of my favorite scriptures is that the kingdom of heaven is not to be timid, but it is full of power. And that is what the kingdom of heaven is about and what we are to be about on earth. The other thing you talk about in here too, is to ask for big miracles because so many people, and I wrote a book, Expecting Experience Miracles. So many people think, well, I'm addicted to pornography. I'm addicted to this, that, or whatever, to this particular sin. That's just me. I can't get out of it. But that is a lie. And when we pray against evil spirits, demons recognize Christ in you. I'm just reading on page 59 here of this book. When we take authority, as you mentioned, our whole life changes. And that's what this book teaches you to do. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I really was motivated to write it was because I got really frustrated, Deacon, honestly, because I was seeing how powerful the weapons of warfare we have through the church, through the sacraments, and through all the teachings of the church. I mean, Catholicism is a powerful weapon. And I was seeing how little awareness there was and how how little like cooperation and holy daring there was. There's so much potential, this dynamism that you speak about, Deacon, you know, that the Holy Spirit within us is dynamic and we should not cower in fear against evil spirits. I give an example in the book of little Therese when she was a little girl and that dream that she had, that she had a dream of the, she saw little demons, she said, that were around her house. And she noted that when she moved walked forward, the demons moved back. And it clicked to her when she was a child that, you know what, they're afraid of me. 
And that's how she kind of grew in being such a powerful spiritual warfare. The awareness that the demons are actually afraid of a Catholic that is aware of his spiritual authority, that baptismal sacramental authority, a Catholic that is aware of the power of the word of God and how to proclaim scripture and the Christian that is not in the state of mortal sin. You know, in spiritual warfare, we need to make distinctions. I think you would agree. When we're talking about sin here, we really want to say mortal sin. Absolutely. Yeah. Is is that when we have a sin that is a mortal sin, we have to deal with it right away. But also, when we have habitual sin too, it may not be mortal, but it's blocking our ministry, our call, what we're, our purpose and what, what the Lord has wants us to do. And it's just so important that we understand again, that God wants us free. God doesn't want us to be addicted to whatever it might be that we're addicted to, that we want to, to break away from. Families are being targeted. Marriages are being targeted. And we've got tools to be able to counter that in this book. What is it that some things that we can do to protect our families? I want to start with Ephesians 6 and the armor of God. Amen. And, you know, when we talk about the armor of God, we need to realize that God supplies the armor. But you know what? He does not force that armor on us. We literally need to dress ourselves. We need to put it on. What does scripture say? Put on the mind of Christ. We need to put on the armor of God. That is a free decision. And so we are called to dress ourselves and our families in this armor of God from Ephesians 6, 13, 17. And so we really need to be aware of that armor and its efficacy to be the warrior that we are called to be in Christ. You know, in the book, I go through the scriptures about how the Lord himself is a warrior and how uh, we're all familiar with Paul's uh, exhortation on the armor of God. But long before in the Old Testament, they spoke about God's armor and the people were aware that God had this armor, which protects from harm. And so we have the belt of truth. And one thing I frequently say um, is that in my prayer, deacon is consecrate me in the truth because the spiritual battle is a war between the lie and the truth. That's really what it comes down to. What is the truth and what is the lie? So in our families, even like when I'm dealing with my husband or my children, show me Holy Spirit. What is the truth? What is the lie here? Because then we can deal. We want to stay consecrated in the truth. That's the Holy Spirit consecrating us in the truth and not buy into all these lies. And one of the prayers that we can have is a very simple prayer is Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, light it up, light up the truth. In other words, put light into it because the devil works in darkness Jesus is the light of the world and we have to live in truth and get to the bottom of what is preventing us from growing in our faith and getting closer to Christ in what we do. Absolutely. So that's really a very simple weapon, if you will, is just, and you think of the belt of truth. I mean, that really holds it all together for us. So always when you're looking at a situation in the world, in your, with yourself or with your relationships is, 
where's the lie? I mean, this is the, the, the enemy is a liar. He will take it. He'll invert the truth into a lie. And we have to be careful about that. Then we have the breastplate of righteousness. And I think the breastplate of righteousness really corresponds with being in the state of grace. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, we don't have any righteousness of our own, but it's, it's God's righteousness and being aware that because I belong to God by virtue of my baptism, it's his righteousness that can operate through me, right? Mm-hmm. And so that righteousness, that identity with holiness, I think that needs to be internalized, Deacon. Maybe you can speak to that. But I think sometimes we think about, you know, the breastplate of, of righteousness, but we haven't really internalized what that means for me personally and the power that is there. Well, I just want to say again how thrilled I am to have Kathleen Beckman on the show to talk about a family guide to spiritual warfare. But we were talking off the air about, you know, how the Holy Spirit works because the Holy Spirit puts certain things in your mind, in your heart as priorities. And Kathleen and I have that back and forth. I say that only because the word righteousness I, I preach on all the time. And, and one of my favorites is Matthew 5, 6 is blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness yeah. for they will be satisfied. And one of the Beatitudes, obviously. Now, what does that mean? We have to hunger to do God's will, because that's really what the word righteousness means, to be right with the Lord. But it means to do God's will. Why is that a breastplate? Because when we're hungering to do God's will, guess what? God honors that. Yep. God always will honor that. And you have written here on page 110, one who wears the, the breastplate of righteousness needn't fear the devil because you're doing God's work. That's right. Always. And that breastplate um, is safeguards you from the fiery darts of the enemy. I think that, again, there's a real need to internalize this armor, um, not to just see like, yes, I talk about how you're dressing in it, but you really need to internalize it so that. And this is something you want to be aware of, I would say, every day in prayer, putting that on, reminding yourself, because, again, we're very distracted. And there's a whole chapter on the, the ordinary way that the, we all deal with the demonic is through daily temptation. And in the long list of daily temptations that I have in the book, the one that the, the church fathers say is the most dangerous is the demon of discouragement. Yes. So we have our human discouragement. That's, you know, that it may be that emotion, but there is an evil spirit that comes to really exacerbate discouragement. Why do the, the early church fathers say discouragement is so dangerous? Because when we're discouraged, we're more likely to turn away from God than to God, we're more likely to turn toward something else. And I would say that sin is really choosing something other than God. And so then we we're discouraged over here. We don't want to really turn to God. We may not want to turn to all the support people like in our family that we have. And we turned us away from those things and we're likely to really get in trouble. And so we have to be careful about uh, really possession is so very rare even today still it's increasing i would say but it's still relatively rare there's increasing obsession and uh, oppression but all of us are really dealing with demonic temptation every day and that will wrap up part three of this four-part series with kathleen beckman on spiritual warfare 
I am learning so much here, and I'm certain that you are as well. Friends, please share this podcast on your social media outlets, and let's flood all those channels with the good word on this epic work by our friend Kathleen Beckman. Oh, and by the way, there is one more installment, and in part four, we'll talk about the armor of God and how our Lord has prepared us to fight off the influence of evil spirits. For more information on this ministry, click on our website, spiritfilledhearts.org. That's spiritfilledhearts.org. We'll see you again next time with Deacon Steve and the team. This podcast is a ministry of Spirit-Filled Media. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider supporting Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry with a one-time or monthly gift. Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We are only funded by generous donors who believe in our mission to evangelize.